I said this morning that parenting is really, really, really hard. None of us are experts on it. And so I've got some disclaimers that if, if, if you didn't hear me this morning, I want to say them again. And here they are. Uh, we do not want to teach on parenting in such a way that you feel bad for all that you aren't doing. Today alone, I have had a handful of people say, well, we're here for you to tell us everything we're doing wrong. That's the way it feels when we get into parenting, right? I've had multiple people in our church say that. Well, we're here tonight to take our licks, you know? And that's the way a lot of people feel about the topic. We are worried that once we approach it, we just feel like we're failing so much. I know that that's the way it is. We're not here to do that. We don't want that to be the case, okay? We do want to show you what God says and that be encouraging to you. Number two, we don't want to teach in such a way that we have minimized parenting into a list of do's or don'ts, into do this and it will work out good for you. Well, here's your problem. You're not doing it like, uh, you know, that sort of a thing. We don't want to make it that. We acknowledge now that parenting is hard and parenting is complicated. And quite frankly, it takes the Lord's grace working in and through you and through your church to have an impact on discipling your kids. We acknowledge that, okay? We're not going to simplify this to something to where um, we make it sound easy. Number three, we are not the experts. There are no experts here, okay, on parenting. We are not here to tell you all that we have done well, not at all. We are here to show you what God's word says about parenting. These messages are meant to encourage you in your responsibilities with your family, your kids, your grandkids, those that are underneath you. God's word is the key to life. It is the guide. It is the light to our path. It is the wisdom that we all need. And so we're committing ourselves here as a church to being in God's word as we think about what he says on parenting. That's good. And then number four, we know that all homes and families are different. Some people do not have moms or dads or both. Some are living in a very, very different setting, and all contexts are different, and we need to know that, and we need to understand that, okay? Some people are being taught about God from their church more than they are from their home, all right? Now, that, that, that's getting the order out of order. Churches do what they do, but homes are supposed to do and That's why we're doing a study like this. But the example I gave this morning is that, you know, uh, if you work first shift, then you get evenings at home with your family. If you work second or third shift, you don't. You understand? And so we need to recognize that everything's a little bit different. Times and schedules are different, and incomes are different. The ability to go out and take your kid on a vacation or something may be limited if you don't have the funds to do that. And everybody's situation's different, and so we want to keep that in mind that we are aware of that. This morning, I also said three common mistakes in parenting, and I want to remind you of those. The first mistake in parenting is that we try to parent the way we were raised, and we say things like, well, I turned out okay, or my parents did a pretty good job with me, and we say things like that, and that, that, that's the settling, in my opinion. That is a lower expectation. Even if you're a fine, fine, fine person, a fine Christian person, right, the standard is Jesus, and the standard is to do what God says, Right? The standard is to follow God completely, and so we don't want to make the mistake of just doing the things that our parents did. The second mistake we see is when we just hope for the best with no plan, no strategy. We're good people, and so they'll turn out as good people. Not at all. That is lowering the bar so, so, so very low. Again, we want people to know Jesus. It's not good when we don't have a plan or a strategy or an intentionality in our parenting. And then the third is looking at others on how to do it. Certainly, I'm not discouraging you from example and from being encouraged by those around you. That should happen in a church. But I'm more so talking about the comparison game where we're looking at other people and not realizing that there are differences there, right? Every dad is different. Every mom is different. Everybody's upbringing that shaped them is different. So everybody's devotion to their family is going to be a little bit different, okay? We're not trying to be like anybody else. You can't be the dad sitting beside you or the mom sitting beside you. You want to seek God, honor him, follow his ways, do the best you can by his power and grace working through you. Don't compare yourselves to others. We make those mistakes sometimes. But we do want to be parents who want so badly to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Look with me back at Proverbs 22, where we started. Twenty-two verse six says, "Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it." That very verse alone tells us that parenting is over the long haul, doesn't it? 
It's something that you do while they're young. It's something that you do over time. It's something that you do investing and in hopes that somewhere down the road you would see fruit from it. Isn't all of that in Proverbs 22.6? Can we agree with that? Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, it's a fun conversation to say, well, at what age are they old so you can then evaluate it, whether it worked or whether it didn't, right? And I know that extended adolescence is a hot topic these days, you know? Is that 16? Is it 18? Is it 20, 21? Is it graduating college? Is it moving out of the house? At what point do you say, okay, I can finally stop thinking about did I do a good job or not? Well, the Bible gives us no answers on that, but it does present that there is a time of investing and then a time of evaluating, whatever that time frame may be. And so tonight, I want to have a conversation about that time frame. Several years ago with our youth ministry, we, we talked about how many hours there are in a week, 168. 24 hours a day for a seven-day week means there's 168 hours in a week. That's a lot of hours, isn't it? What do you do with those? What have you done with the last 168 hours since the last time we were here on Sunday night? That's a lot of hours. How many TV shows have you watched? How many of those have you slept away you're allowed 56 for sleeping, right? You're allowed 56. You, you, get, you get eight hours for seven days of sleeping. That's 56. 168 minus 56 gets us to what? 112. 112 hours, waking hours. What did you do with those? And so in that way, we can start thinking about what we're doing with our time with our kids. If we were to get real technical, we could say, okay, we've got... 18 years before they graduate high school. What are we going to do with that, right? And then, you, then, you know, sometimes you can break it down. Well, okay, there's 24 hours in a day, but we wake up and we kind of rush through the morning routine so that we can hurry up and get to school. And by the time they get out of school, it's five o'clock, you know, three o'clock. And then you, you transition from there to an extra, extra after school, extracurricular activity. Then you got to get dinner. And if, and if things went well, <laughs> it's six, six thirty, seven o'clock and bedtime's nine o'clock. And so where's the time at for us to actually devote ourselves to doing what we talked about this morning? Where's the time at for that? That's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to put before you that time is really, really, really important for us to get a grip on. And if we just think that one of these days we'll get around to it, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be reading lullabies that you wrote to their kids as they're moving out of the house. And you look back and you think upon that and you think, wow, where did the time go? Tonight I want us to focus on the amount of time that we have to invest in our kids. I want us to realize that 18 years is a long time. Hey, take a deep breath. It's okay. There's a lot of time there. But I also want us to recognize that the time is still short. I want us to feel that. And I want God to encourage us to be good with our time, principled with our time, good stewards of our time for the sake of making disciples out of our kids. And that will require some changes, okay? Now, again, I've already introduced that everybody's story is different, okay? And so I don't mean, I'm not going to put numbers on us. I'm not going to say, hey, you should be expending at least 10 hours a week sitting down reading with your kid. We're not going to say things like that, not even close to that. Everybody's situation is different. But I do want us to take enough time here to think through, are we using our time wisely for the sake of the kids underneath us? Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5. We'll allow this kind of urgency that we see here to shape what we're talking about. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 15 and 16. Right here in Ephesians 5, we are not in the context of family. It certainly applies. It's not the immediate conversation. 
You got to get to verse 22 before husbands and wives are brought up. And then a little bit later, you get into family. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, writing to the church at Ephesus, does address the family, okay? It's here. But at verse 15 is what I want you to see. Verse 15 of Ephesians 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I don't think there's any debating that the days are evil and it's a hard time to be parenting. It's a hard time to be a child. It's a hard time to be growing up. It's tough. Nobody questions that now, but I want us to see here that the Bible teaches here that the need for wisdom, the need for careful walking, careful walking, be careful in how you walk as a parent, and specifically making the best use of the time. If your time is short before your kids move out and start thinking on their own, may you make the best use of your time in discipling them, in investing in them, in pouring into them. May you make the best use of the time. I want to give you three points tonight surrounding time and time with our kids. And number one is the importance of time. We must see that relationships are created and formed by time together. I'm going to say that really slowly. Relationships are created and formed by time together. If you want your kids to take serious what you say to them, then they must know you and trust you And that can only happen when time has been spent together that created that relationship. On a regular basis, I hear kids say, yeah, I know my dad or I I know my mom, but they're not around much. On a regular basis. Yesterday, I met with a family. Yesterday, on a Saturday, I met with a family. Asked them, the, the, the adults, to tell me their testimony. We're in a meeting, and they tell me their testimony, and the girl tells me all about her mom's influence upon her life, took her to church, discipled her, all of that. And I said, are your parents not together? She said, no, they're together. I said, what about your dad? She said, oh, he was just never around. He was just never involved. He wasn't investing in us. That's the idea that I want you all to hear tonight in the importance of time that we must see the relationships are created and formed by time together. And so I want to encourage you or challenge you now to think about moms and dads, where is the time? Where is the time in your life right now where you are specifically, carefully, thoughtfully thinking through that is the time where this relationship can develop? What, what's the time? What's the spot? What's the place? What's the, is it mornings, afternoons, evenings, weekends? Is it late nights? What's the time where you've realized this must happen? It's that important. One of the things that I learned early on, I think you all know, we started out with, with private school, and then we, we didn't, when we didn't, didn't have any, we didn't think we'd have one. Once we had one, we didn't think we'd have two. Once we had two, we didn't think we'd have three. Once we had three, we didn't think we'd have four. Once we had four, we didn't think we'd have five. And at some point, private school got to where uh, we can't keep doing this, and so we switched. Well, we did private school for a while, and we had to do car rides to private school. We, it certainly wasn't our strategy for those car rides, but God taught us a whole lot through those car rides. We learned that if we leave Fairdale and we drive to Beulah Church Road exit to go to Whitfield Academy, which is exit 15, this is exit 8, that's a seven-mile drive on the Gene Snyder, and sometimes traffic slows it down. And if I'll be man enough to turn off sports radio, which that's hard for me to do, but if I'll be man enough to turn off sports radio... Every single morning, five days a week, I'll get a good, solid, focused 10, 12 minutes with my kid. 
We can go over math problems. I can't tell you how many times I did flashcards like this. They're in the back seat, and we're going through flashcards of timetables. Memory verses. We'll do memory verses because at Whitfield, you got to memorize a Bible verse like every week, and that was awesome. I loved that about that school. And we would do flashcards as we drove. But we learned that's not a big time, but that was a time for us to be together. See, we've got to think through time importance, time's importance in our lives, and when will that work? I'll tell you another one that's become really important to us. Like many of us, life is busy, and once it gets going, it gets going. There are many times where there's not time to stop, there's not time, there's not time for lunch, and so time is limited, and you have to be focused on this. I'll tell you another one that we learned a long time ago that became very, very, very important to us, and it was bedtime. And a lot of times when you're tired, bedtime can be, I am so tired, hurry up, you get in bed, hey, no questions tonight, lights out, I'm just as tired as you, I'm going to sleep right now. As soon as I get you to go to sleep, I'm going to sleep. And that's how I feel most nights. But we learned this is one of the unique moments where there's no screens, there's no TV, there's no interruptions. Here's some time. And we learned after that that, yes, it's getting late, and we need to go to bed, and what could be a two to three minutes Every once in a while, and, and, and you know, some of us parents talk about this a lot. Every once in a while, it's just one of those good days. And maybe three, four nights in a row, it's nothing, and you're grumpy with them even as you pray. And, you know, God, help these kids to listen to me better. Amen, you know, something like that. But then every once in a while, it's a really, really good one. And you'll just let it keep going because they're talking, they're engaged, they're getting it. And that time is so important. I want to encourage you tonight to understand the importance of time and start thinking about what is the time that the relationships are really, really, really going to get there? What, what is the time where your kids are going to think, I can trust my mom. I've been with her too long and too many times to know that I, I, can, tr that I can trust her to, to not think that I can't trust her. I heard a story one time, I won't tell you what school this was, where the girls on the volleyball team were looking in the locker room at some porn on their phones. Not surprising, that's pretty common of a thing that happens these days, unfortunately. And one girl refused to get involved with it. And they started ridiculing her a little bit. And she told them this. If that was something that I needed to see, my mom and dad would have told me about it. And I, I'm amazed at that story because that came to me from a trustworthy adult. I don't know any of the kids that were involved with that. I had some adults teaching me about that, that setting. But I don't tell the story to brag on the girl, and I don't tell the story to get into what, what's happening on phones these days, but I tell the story to get you to see that when a child trusts, trusts, trusts the mom and dad over her, she will listen to them. He will listen to them. Matt McBroom contacted me this week and told me of a podcast that, that all of us, that we should listen to this week. So I jumped on there and listened to it. And there were a lot of good things in that podcast. But the thing that stuck with me is there was some talk about the Christian college that we were listening to. And the comment was made, those college students really value their parents' opinions. I want to ask you here tonight, do your kids value your opinion? What creates that? What, what creates somebody valuing your opinion? Well, it is a time spent together. It's a fostered relationship where love and trust and respect and, and giving has been there. Where, where they know they can count on you. They know that you are for them. They know that you are present and you care. And you've had their back before. You've, took, you've taken care of them before. And so they value your opinion. The importance of time means that we must see that relationships are created and formed by time together. And in what setting does that happen for you? You know, uh, this morning I read that lullaby that I had written to my kids. And I wrote that in 2008 when JJ was born. And when I wrote that, I thought, I've got a long time to teach them how to skip rocks and play sports. You know, all the things that I said in that lullaby this morning. But it dawned on me. I had not thought about this this week as I was preparing. 
But it dawned on me as I read that to you all this morning that time is absolutely running out, isn't it? Our, our dear JJ, who's our firstborn that we love so much, is now 16, 16 years old. I'm currently teaching him to drive. He worked six hours this week to get paid on a, on a job. Life is changing for us. And if I wanted to teach him about lizards, turtles, and frogs, and how to wear a jock, and how to date a girl, and how to mow the grass, and how to treat his mom, and how to read the Bible daily, proverb, and psalm, all the things that I said, it's almost past, isn't it? It's almost past. He'll be moving off to college very, very soon. Tonight we need to hear that there is incredible importance on time. The second word that I want to introduce to you on time and talk about tonight is that we need to be intentional with our time. Mom and dad and grandma, grandmother and grandfather, we must find the time. Or to say that even better, in finding the time, we must make the time. We must be intentional that time matters. This morning as I was driving to church to be here for the nine o'clock prayer time, I noticed an entire family with three kids walking to church. I loved it. It was a little chilly this morning, wasn't it? Yes. It was probably not even to the 40s yet at nine o'clock. And for us to get here at nine o'clock to pray, they must have left the house at 845 and a family was walking to church. They were way up there by Chieftain Drive coming down, walking to church. So I made a point once I got into worship after Sunday school and all that, once I found that family, I made a point to say, man, I saw you walking to church and that was awesome. And I want you to hear what he said to me. He said, I'm trying to slow our lives down. And I know that taking a walk is a good way to slow down, isn't it? Taking a walk is a really good way to slow down. If your mind is overwhelmed, if you can't get your thoughts straight, go for a walk. If you're overwhelmed and stressed and anxious and there's too much, go for a walk. If you think it will kill you to walk, go for a walk. And here is a dad being so intentional that he is walking his three children to church to slow their lives down so they might see a bird chirping or a car driving by so that the trip to church won't be one minute because if you live in Fairdale, it only takes one minute to get to church. No conversations really happen in that short drive, but if you'll walk it for 15 minutes, you can talk. You can say, why do we go to church? You can say, I wonder what they're preaching on today. You can say, who do you hope's going to be in Sunday school with you? That's being intentional. And I want to ask us tonight to learn to be intentional with our time. When we start talking about being intentional with our time, and we've already pointed out that we've only got so much time, that I think now's the time for me to point out that this means you, adult, we're going to have to learn for the sake of discipling your kids to sacrifice some of your own time. I feel like I shouldn't say this to the moms. Moms' entire lives are sacrifices, and I know that. Moms are heroes, right? I think mom is the hardest job on the planet. The hardest single role on the planet is to be a mother, in my opinion. They have to give, 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 give so much, and they get so little in return other than the, than the joy of just knowing that those are her children, don't know if I need to say sacrifice your own time to the mothers, but I want to say it to the parents and the grandparents. This means you have to sacrifice your own time, recognizing that there will be a day when you won't be able to do that. I want this to be felt by us. There will be a day so soon where you will not be able to pull that kid on your lap and read the Jesus Storybook Bible to them. Those days are shorter, shorter, shorter than you realize. Do it tonight. Do it tonight when we had that snow day happen we actually had a lot of snow days our kids came to us and they said can we there's a snow day there's nothing to do can we please watch 
the Hobbit movies. Some of y'all know what that is. It's three movies, and each one is three hours. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And they said, well, and I said, well, how about that? Why don't we watch one a day? Like, no, 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 can't do that. If you watch them all back to back in a row, it'll be awesome. I'm like, gee whiz. And I, Val and I talked about it a little bit, and it was kind of like, if we don't do it on a snow day, we're never going to do this, right? So I said, go for it. So I can't remember what time it was, but we started it at a time where we thought that it might end around 11, okay? Well, that's getting pretty late for me. It's hard for me to stay awake at 11. But then dinner happened, so we had to do pause. And next thing you know, our end time was looking at like 12.30. That was rough. I fell asleep. I had to finish it standing up because I just could not stay awake. They were yelling at me like every scene to stay awake. But y'all, we, we did it. <laughs> we did it. And, and, and I want you to know to our kids, and, and especially to one or two of our kids, that seems to them one of the most meaningful things. And I'm not a big proponent of, of movies even. It seems to me that I could make the argument over here too, that was a waste of nine hours, right? I'm the type of guy that wants to say that's a waste of nine hours, right? We could have been doing something else much, much more productive. But I'm telling you here tonight that in being intentional, that meant the world to my kids, And there's coming a day really, really soon where we will not even be able to do that. And my kids aren't out of the house yet. And I tell this to our church a lot. Almost every time I talk to my mom, it ends in tears. Because she misses us so much. She misses her grandkids so much. She's missing out on so much. And she'll say things like, oh, I'd give anything to go to a ball game. I'd give anything to have that birthday dinner with you, all right? And so as a parent, I'm sitting here thinking and wanting us to think about with however few we have left of those, make the best, Ephesians 5, make the best use of the time. Be intentional with it. So I said, sacrifice your own time, okay? Now, when we start sacrificing time in the family, I want to be real specific here. Do not sacrifice time with them. Sacrifice time without them to maximize time with them. Okay? If you put them to bed at 9, anything you could do in between 7 and 9 that takes away from it, put that off so that after they go to bed, you can get back to it but that your time with them is not sacrificed. Be intentional about that. Be devoted to that. I remember when we were playing t-ball, and I I hated this. We were playing t-ball, and what happens in youth sports a lot is parents get too into it, and they're obnoxious on the sideline, and it makes the whole experience unenjoyable, to be honest, and it's, it's very common, okay? It's unfortunate, but it's common, okay? And we were playing t-ball, and there was this boy on our team that just couldn't get it, didn't focus, he didn't act like he was happy to be there, and we dealt with it through practice or whatever, and then when we got to the games... His dad would come up and say things to coaches, and he would insist on this, and, and he would yell at his kid and that sort of And then he would disappoint, telling us that he was going to play in his own leagues. And that's been about eight, nine, ten years ago now. But I've never forgotten that. Voicing disappointment in his kid's game, he's still prioritizing his game over his kid's game. Whether it's ball or reading or grace, Matt and Liz have given them that good challenge. Whatever it is that your kid is into, don't sacrifice any of that with you. Sacrifice something of yourself. You're an adult. You can find a way to figure it out. Uh, Multitask, you'll respond together, stay up late, wake up early. You can find a way to add more into your responsibilities, whether it's dishes or laundry or a phone call or something. And if not with our time, and we will lose time. 
We have to be in to do, and then there's things done because there is plans to intentional time and unintentional time, and that we need to be able to think through that there is quantity with it. This story, I read this in a book, and I loved it. I heard a story about a, a, a dad, a, a son, and his dad had influenced his life so well. So the son, who's an adult, telling the story of how much he loved his dad. And here's what he said. He says, Dad traveled from time to time with work. And so there would be times where he'd leave out on a Thursday and not return till a Sunday or, or leave out on a Sunday and not return till a Wednesday. And so and he wasn't gone too much. There was nothing upset about that. Everybody has to work, right? Everybody has to work. I understand that. He was not at all saying it was a bad thing. But he said he remembers the time when he was in middle school. Those were real formative years, right? Those were real formative years, middle school. He remembers the time he was in middle school. And the, the buzzer went off in the classroom and said, hey, do you have such and such? And said, yes, and would you send them to the office? And most of y'all know that. First, the first thought with that is you're scared. If something's wrong, you're in trouble. And the kid goes to the office, and his dad's there. So now he thinks, uh-oh, I'm, you know, what, what happened? What happened? And his dad says, they're signing you out. And he goes, he gets out of the parking lot. He says, Dad, what's going on? And Dad says to him, look, I've been gone the last three days, and I missed you. And I just came here to sign you out. It's not going to hurt your grades, is it? And he says, no, no, it's not going to hurt my grades. He says, come on, we're going swimming. I want you to think about one little kid's life being intentional like that. Well, nobody's saying do it every day. It's not realistic to do that every day. Nobody's saying do that every week, every, every month, every year. I'm telling you that an adult grown man recalled that in a book of how much he knew his dad was for him and loved him. He had to miss, went out of town for work for a couple days, but when he came back, he went and did something very intentional to get his, uh, to spend time with his kid. That was awesome. I want you to look with me at Psalm 90. Look with me at Psalm 90. Ephesians 5 is saying, uh, make the best use of the time. Look at Psalm 90, verse 12. It's a beautiful prayer here of Psalm 90. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days means, God, I don't know how many days I've got. I don't know how many opportunities I've got left. I don't know how many chances I'm going to have. So we seek you, God, and we ask for you to put it into perspective, put it into our heart to use our time well. Ephesians 5 says, make the best use of the time. Psalm 90 says, so teach us to number our days. When we are desiring to spend our days wisely with our children, then the idea of intentionality with time matters. The importance of time, intentional time, and then the third point that I want to talk about tonight is the influence of time spent together. The influence of time spent together. This is what the point that I was wanting to make this morning um, as, as I preached from Proverbs 3 is that it is the beautiful design of God, and hopefully we made this point well this morning, it is the beautiful design of God that God uses parents to shape kids. The influence of a parent in their child's life is strong, really, really, really strong for better or for worse, is it not? It is. And so the influence of time spent together built up over the years. So if we're talking through time here, importance of time, intentional time, and I'm asking, uh, we must see that relationships are created and formed by time together. I'm asking, where is the time in your life, in your family, in your parenting, where this sort of trust and deep relationship is formed? Where, where's that at? And so it's here in the influence of thinking there can be no influence for Christ. There can be no being used by God if we're not in a relationship with our kids, which is created through time. So we've got to think this way. We've really, really got to think this way. One practical example is this morning, um, of course, parenting is all on my mind. I preached on parenting this morning. And this morning we do the Lord's Supper. It's the first Sunday of February, right? And we create, listen, we create a really interesting, let's say, good problem, uh, unique scenario, could be problematic, 
When we have a church full of kids who are not saved trusting in Christ, they've not been baptized yet, and then we serve the Lord's Supper. We are putting parents in a sticky spot when we pass out. This morning, there were 268 people here this morning, 268, and we pass out the Lord's Supper to all of them, and yet we make this warning announcement, don't take it if you should not take it, right? And so I want to ask very practically, Is there a trusting, loving relationship enough in your family to where you can tell your kids why they shouldn't take it and that they shouldn't take it? And they say, okay. And they won't throw a fit for you to take it there. They won't push back to take it there. They won't still take it there and defy you. And if there is that relationship enough for them to listen to you, then here's where the time comes in. When has that conversation ever happened? Without understanding the importance of time or the intentionality of time, quite frankly, y'all, it it probably hasn't. And so next thing you know, your church makes a heavy announcement. If you're not a believer, don't take it. We don't know why you would. And if you've not been baptized, even though you think you believe, don't take it. We think that's the first step. And if you got sin in your life that you're not repenting of, then we would say, don't, don't take it. And your kids probably fit all three of those. And, and they take it. Because there's never been a conversation with them about it. Well, I, I'm here to tell you that that needs to be taken seriously, but that's probably the least of your worries as they approach the harder things that go on in this world. Like being bullied like getting made fun of, like thinking that they don't have any value. Those conversations come up all the time now with young people. I don't know why we've gotten to that place. It must be the breakdown of values in some place, but that is the hard conversations that are being had all the time now with young people. I'm not happy, nobody likes me, I'm a failure. Those are the real conversations that happen all the time. Where, where, and how, and in what place, and at what time, and in what setting are you having those conversations to deal with those types of things? To deal with all types of things, but to deal with those types of things. You want to be the parent that loves your child so well that they know you love them. I was at a funeral one time, and I heard, a, I heard a man give a eulogy for his mom. His mom had passed away, and she was about 80, and he was somewhere in his 50s. And I, I've never forgotten this. I loved it. He stands up and just brags on his mom, and he's crying. He's in his 50s. He said, I'm going to be honest with y'all. It wasn't until I went to college that I realized I wasn't good looking. He said, my mom had built me up and told me I was good looking so much in my life that I just believed her. He said, I get to college, and all my buddies start telling me, man, you ain't really good looking. Your mom lied to you. And, you know, part of that's a joke, right? Part of that's a joke. But part of that shows you what it's like to be a mom and to build your kid up and to love them and invest in them. So much so that he would say that at her funeral because he knew how much she loved her. She loved him. We need to take time seriously with our children so that our lives can influence them. Taking the time redeeming the time, sacrificing the time so that we can have an impact and an influence upon them. In thinking through the influence of time spent together, time spent together built up over the years, um, I want to make another point that we also made this morning that sometimes things are caught and not taught. And this happens so very much in the child-parent relationship over time. When time is spent together, so many things will be taught because they were caught and they maybe didn't even need to be said. And while this is such a good thing, like a work ethic or like honesty or like integrity, may not have to have that many conversations about work ethic if you work hard and you spend a lot of time with your kid that works hard, right? It just rubs off because of time spent together. And we know that well, don't we? And the history of the world knows that well. If you are a man of honesty and you do not lie to anybody anywhere, even when it hurts, that will rub off on your kids and they will learn to be honest people. But if 
You are not an honest person and you lie. You know that it does not take long for your kids to start lying too. And this is a hard reality to hear. The influence of time spent together built up over the years goes both directions. Our influences with our kids are massive. You show me some parents that smoke cigarettes and I'll show you some teenagers that have tried to smoke cigarettes. It's the truth. You show me some parents that use foul language and the F word and stuff like that, and I'll show you teenagers that do the same thing, and it's clockwork. I mean, it is almost a guarantee. Even in our church, it's almost a guarantee that it goes just like that. It's the truth. The influence is very real from time spent together for better or for worse. Our kids take so much from us. And often, they don't take God and his ways. They don't take Christ and his lordship and his love from us. Because while we may have taken them to church or this or that, it wasn't Christ who we loved most that was the influence upon them. You know, in preparing for all of this stuff for this month... I thought about giving you all the statistics and the facts that we hear so often, right? That 80% of kids leave the church once they turn 18. We've all heard that, right? We know those numbers. But I didn't want us to do that so much. But I do want you to see that even when that's happening, it's not because of, well, it's, it's, it, it's not because influence didn't happen. And here's, here's what I mean. So often, the, 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 the person that has turned the other way is still very much so like their parents in a lot of other ways. They love the cats or the cards just like you raised them to. They love financial trends that you do, meaning make a lot of money, save a lot of money, give a lot of money, spend a lot of money, because they got that from you. They got that. There are a lot of influences that come out of our lives. And if we want the truth of God and the love of God to be it, then we must be that. As we think about the influence of time spent together, I want to show you one final passage of Scripture. But in moving toward that passage, I want to read, hopefully you're taking notes, and I want to share with you several passages of Scripture for you to hear, and then we'll conclude with Exodus 13. Psalm 71:18. If you're taking notes, write this one down and I'll read it to you. Psalm 71:18. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. There is a theme in the Bible of people that know God want the next generation to know God. That, that's a theme that we see coming out. It matters to us that the next generation would know him. That's Psalm 71. Psalm 78 says this, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, listen, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but we will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and wonders that he has done. A burden to tell people to tell the next generation. Psalm 145, four. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. That one generation wants the next generation to know. I want us to end tonight with this discussion on time by looking at Exodus chapter 13. Many, many years ago, we preached through the book of Exodus here, and it was through that sermon series that I found these verses and was so taken back by them. Exodus 13, we're going to start reading in verse 3. Moses teaching the people here with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Verse 3, then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. So we know the history, we know the Exodus story, right? We know God's deliverance to his people. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Verse four, today in the month of Abib, you are going out. 
And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. Look at this in verse 8. You shall tell your son on that day... It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. In closing tonight, I want to ask you, where in your life, in what place, in what setting, at what time, could, could something like that happen? It doesn't have to be the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Where would you be in a setting where you could tell your son or daughter we are doing this because of what the Lord has done in my life. There's not going to be forever for you to have those conversations. Where will be the time for you to do that? It keeps going, though. Verse 9. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons shall be shall redeem. Now look at verse 14. And when in time, and when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? What place, folks? What setting? Are you open enough, still enough, slowed down enough for your kids to ask questions? And may we not say that they don't ask questions because kids ask questions, lots of questions. Where is the time for your kids to ask the questions? And where is your understanding of the importance of time and your intentionality of time and the influence of time to want them to ask the question so that you could tell them? Look what it says here at verse 14. And when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. May it become your heart's desire tonight for your life, your parenting, your time spent with those underneath you, to create opportunity after opportunity after opportunity like that. I read an article recently um, from Tim Keller and his wife on parenting, and they're trying to emphasize that this is over the long haul, and that I think it's called parenting is like gardening. But they asked the question in there, how do you spend your time? And they warn against spending your time care with, with carelessness. Don't let there be time where hours are wasted when you have children underneath you, right? If you have nothing else to do and there's no kids around or something like that, you know, maybe do whatever with your time. But in the time of having kids underneath you, don't let there be carelessness in the way you spend your time. And then they make this quote. Listen to this. Over the long haul... Remember Proverbs 22, 6? Train up a child in the ways you go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we have to think long haul in that. There's some time down the road that we want our influence for God to have used our lives. Over the long haul, little tasks, repeated faithfully, bear much fruit. Okay, we all agree with that. That was the whole point of my bamboo illustration this morning. Over the long haul, little tasks repeated faithfully bear much fruit. But listen to this last sentence. And parenting is one of the most long haul of all long haul undertakings. That is what parenting is. It is a lot for a long time in hope that God would use us. But my point tonight is for us to be aware of how much time we've got and to not waste it.
What is the place, okay? What is the place or the setting where this godly discipleship through your life will happen for your children? And I want to encourage you now to so organize your life, to so organize your life and your time so that God will use your life in your kids and your grandkids. Just last week, I went to put the girls to bed and we had read our Bible verses or read our Bible story or quoted some scripture and said some prayers, whatever we do. And I was saying, okay, I needed to get out of here. Y'all need to go to sleep. It's already getting late, you know, that type of a thing. And they said, Dad, will you lay down in here in the room with us for a little bit? And, you know, when you've got sweet girls asking, it's so hard to just say no, you know. And you really shouldn't say no. That's the whole point of this sermon tonight, right? Time's running out to say yes to that. And so I laid down and listened to this. They said, Dad, would you tell us a story about when you were young? And I said, well, I got a lot of them. What one would you like to hear? They say, Tell us how you met mom. Think about that. Shame on me or you or anybody else that is not putting themselves in position to have conversations like those. You hear what I'm saying? Ephesians 5 says, let's make the best use of the time. And Psalm 90 says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Church, we may be those that struggle with lots of things. And yes, parenting is hard. But tonight, with the Lord's help, may we resolve to give our time to our children as much as possible. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the encouragement tonight to spend our time wisely on you. God, if we've been neglecting that because of Whatever is in the way, we ask tonight, God, that you would forgive us of that. Help us to think through making some changes and so organizing our lives to spend time with our kids. Time is running out on that. God, we pray that we would be uh, church people that get this. We want to make the best use of our time. God, help us to, help us, dear God, to, See the value and importance and intentionality and the influence of our lives through our time. God, may the result be a lot of kids that trust their parents as they point them to Christ. God, we ask that you would make disciples here, disciples of Christ through our families. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.